Sox fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones, and we have a good show for you this week. Uh, we're going to talk about the Ducks uh, on their homestand here, where they did pretty well, uh, despite all the injuries, as you are all fully aware of. Uh, of course, the Hockey Hall of Fame, we're going to talk about Tamu and Paul as well and go over that, uh, go over some of the uh, the games coming up, and uh, we got some watch party news finally, so we'll get to all that in a little bit. But before the last uh, the podcast that we did, Eddie... You know that news came out right after it because that's just how it works. <laughs> so last time we left off was before the Kings game, and the big news came out about Getzloff having surgery on his cheekbone. So the injury news continued. Unfortunately, the Ducks are without Getzloff. They're saying about two months, and the Ducks went into the game against the Kings, which was a super wild game. Kind of what we we kind of expected, it, Eddie, um, but not really. Uh, you know, the the Ducks being uh, pretty injured without Getzloff now. They go into this game. Uh, they actually get the first two goals. Uh, you know, Jared Bull, the uh, all-time leading scorer. No, just kidding. Uh, Jared Bull, he gets his first goal of the season. Uh, Botten gets his first goal of the season. Things are looking good in this game. You know, the Ducks are up 2-1 to one early. Uh, Kopitar gets a late goal in the first period. The Ducks are still, you know, looking okay Raquel gets a goal they're up three to one you think everything's good and and then of course the Kings come back and they end up tying the game it goes to overtime and the Ducks end up losing but um you know uh, some good takeaways in this game Eddie uh the Ducks for the first two periods look good look strong um you know they did get a point um without uh, Getzloff and all the other uh, players obviously but a lot of stuff happened in this game we'll, and we'll go over it but uh, what did you think about this game as far as the Ducks you know it's pretty high uh, intensity affair yeah and you know I'm impressed that they were able to compete against such a good team with the limited roster they went in there with uh, I mean you know Kasher got hurt early he only played a minute 48 so you're already down a forward and Jared Bull ended up leaving the game so you're down two forwards because Jared Bull only played three minutes and 16 seconds in the game so essentially you're playing the game with tw- 10 forwards and and then you're rolling with the six defensemen and, and the fact that you know they're able to pl- uh, play such a good game I guess at the time the Kings were the best team in the Western Conference and, and you know to have a 3-1 lead it's disappointing to blow that lead and, and only get the point but Again, the Ducks are, are victims of, of allowing way too many shots in the game, and it's 43 shots against in this one, and, and the duties were split between Gibson and Miller because at one point Gibby left the game, and, and we didn't know if he was going to be back or if, if he had been injured, and Miller comes in, and, and he shut the door for most of the third period in overtime, but you know what are you going to do? The, the Ducks' overtime woes continue, and the Kings win, but you know I think it's, it's a hard-fought point uh, with a depleted lineup against a very good team. Yeah, exactly. And then it's unfortunate you see the Ducks lose two more players like you were talking about. You know, Kase gets knocked out. Uh, as you all know, he still hasn't played since this game, unfortunately. Um, so that was, you know, a, a big loss because, you know, you and I talked about uh, Kase as one of our players to watch this season, see how he progresses and, and, and see how he goes. So um, very unfortunate. And, you know, a good player that, uh, you know, a lot of people like. Um, 
uh, as a, one of the newer players. And then uh, Gibson with the mask, he goes out. You know, he doesn't play in the next game, uh, which we'll get to in a little bit. But you see all this, you know, and the Ducks, you know, they they didn't uh, back down, though. They gave it back to the Kings pretty good. You saw um, Alec Martinez getting rocked, and he got knocked out of the game for a while. Uh, Kopitar ran in to, uh, I believe it was Vatnin at one point, and he was out of the game for a little bit on a weird looking play so you had all kinds of stuff going on then of course uh we had uh, perry and quick get into it eddie and uh we saw basically uh quick try to just punch perry into the ice and then perry gets up and flips uh quick's mask off i know we posted that video and and then the whole melee ensued after that and uh, uh of course like you and i had talked about perry's getting back you know this season uh, playing more of his, you know, agitator type game, and that's exactly what he did in this uh, contest. Um, just unfortunate the Ducks didn't get the two points. I really thought they could have, maybe if they were able to hang on at the end there, and Gibson was able to play the, you know, the final third period part and all that. It might have changed. Who knows? But like you said, it was good to see the Ducks get a point. They really, you know, fought it out with the Kings, and they're going to see the Kings in this coming week too, Eddie. Yeah, and, and you know to get back to to the Perry thing with with Quick. I mean, they have a history, and, and we all know that in, in every <laughs> game, Perry finds his way to the front of the net and and is just trying to make life hell for for Jonathan Quick. And we see it every time the Ducks and Kings play. We'll, we'll most likely see it this Saturday when when they play again. So it, it's great to see him doing that. And you know he's finally starting to get rewarded. Maybe not getting pucks in the back of the net, but he is sitting second on the on the Ducks in points. He's got twelve points in in eighteen games. So. You know he's getting up there. He's he's getting points again. You know we would love to see him score 20, 30 goals again. I'm not sure if that's going to happen this season again. You know, struggling to to get the puck in the back of the net. Hopefully that can turn around once guys like Getzlaff and Kessler come back and he's got a little bit more freedom and and a lot more to work with offensively. So we'll we'll see if um you know if that's gonna that's gonna spark's gonna come from him. But yeah, I mean, you, you face the Kings again, like you said this week, and uh, we always know the Ducks and Kings games are going to be exciting, and and you know the Kings are on a four-game skid right now, so we'll see where they stand come the end of the week. But it's going to be a tough game. It's a, it's coming off a, a home game against Winnipeg, then you got to go down and play play LA on a back-to-back, so it's going to be tough. Yeah, and I'll just mention this now. Uh, we're going to have the watch party at El Ranchito again, uh, one eight two uh, South Orange Street in Orange that day uh, on Saturday against the Kings. I'll, I'll mention it later in the show as well, but since we're just kind of talking about this now, um, you know, we're going to have it then. It's going to be that Saturday, so it should be a lot of fun. I expect a you know, pretty good turnout. This is the first time that we've done a watch party uh, with the Ducks against the Kings, so we're looking for you know some excitement. It should be pretty good. Um, so after this last game that they played the Kings, they then went and played uh, Vancouver, and of course, because of all the injuries and things that happened in that King game, they had to call up uh, Barra again. Kosla came up, Roy came up. All these, <laughs> all these guys basically went into the Vancouver game. Uh, Barra backed up Miller in this game, as you know, Miller was going against his former team. And this game didn't start out good. Uh, you know, Vancouver got the first goal. But after that, it was pretty much all Anaheim. Uh, Lindholm got a goal, Montour, and then Silverberg with his crazy two goals in 35 seconds. The Ducks also went nuts on the power play. Um, you saw they had three power play goals in this game, which is, you know, the most they've had this season, you know. Um, and they just did great in this game. They outshot uh, Vancouver 35-20. to 20. Uh, Pretty much everything went right in this game, of course, you know, Miller got hurt in this game and had to go out. But overall, a very good effort by the Ducks, Eddie. 
Yeah, and the Ducks took advantage of sloppy play by the Canucks, and they, they went 3-6 for six on the power play, like you said, and, and that won them the game. I mean, that was the huge difference in this one. Vancouver didn't really get to play their style. Their style, as we talked about last podcast, was more of limiting chances and trying to suffocate their opponent. Um, and they really didn't couldn't get that going in this game, and, and you know that probably speaks to the fact that the, du- the Ducks were playing at home. It's a little bit harder for Vancouver to play their style, and you know it, it was a great game. It, it's nice to see the power play finally get something going. You had uh, Lindholm, Montour, and Silverberg getting power play goals. Raquel assisting on all of them. He had a great night as well, and then Silverberg getting his second of the night. So, you know, just all around uh, a very good game. Uh, it, you know, it's a team that had been. In most people's eyes, outperforming what they expected to be, and and again, it's a Pacific Division matchup. It's essentially a four-point game, so no matter who you're playing in the Pacific Division, it's a it's an important game. So I think it was a big win, a, a good rebound from a disappointing loss against the Kings. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you uh, you saw Manson and Dorsett go in a scrap in this game, which was kind of interesting because they, they went at it and then they kind of broke apart and went at it again. You don't see that happen too often. So, you know, Manson was out there mixing up, getting the team fired up. Uh, Ricardo Kell, he had a career-high three assists in this game, uh, which extended his point streak at uh, four games at this point in time. And uh, kind of a fun stat too, Eddie, from this game is Silverberg's two goals were in 35 seconds apart which is the second fastest in franchise history. Uh, do you know the player that is, did it the fastest? Any idea? I saw the name. <laughs> I can't remember. It was like, <laughs> it was a random name. I know it wasn't, yes. yeah. I can't remember exactly, it, but yeah. Okay. We're going old school here. For for those of you that may, maybe are not, the, maybe you're the younger fan or, or you, you haven't been around as much from the Mighty Duck days, but J.F. Jump did two goals and 13 seconds that's the record by the team so when i saw that i was like wow we're really we're going back in time so so there you have it jf jump two goals 13 seconds silverberg the second fastest in franchise history at two goals and 35 seconds which was amazing and you know if you if you watch the game you saw the game silverberg almost had a hat trick too um he had a really good opportunity again in the third period there and even later on he had some chances so he didn't quite get the hat trick but Silverberg, we talked about him too. We wanted to see him get going, and, and he got going in this game too, Eddie, uh, which is good. And the Ducks got scoring all the way around. The power play was going. Montour getting you know goals as well, and um, just a great effort by the Ducks all the way around. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was technically one of the easier games of the week if you looked at who they're playing. Obviously, at the time they were playing the best team in the West and the best team in the East in the, in the game after this in Tampa Bay. Um, and when you come off a disappointing loss, uh, as I mentioned before, against a, a top team like that and a rival, it, it's good to bounce back, come out and, and win this game, you know, in a significant manner. So, you know, I think it was it was a statement game for them. They finally got things going on the power play. Um, unfortunately, it didn't really lead any momentum into the next game against Tampa yeah. Bay, as we'll talk about next. But you know, it, it is a good win. Whenever you can get those those four point games against Pacific Division opponents, it, it's always a good win. Absolutely. And then, like you said, the Ducks then faced Tampa Bay and, you know, a little bit of controversy in this game. Uh, You know, some disallowed goals for both teams in this game that we'll talk about. But uh, Tampa Bay got their first goal in the second period. Uh, Silverberg, like we talked about, heating up. He got another goal in this game. Uh, It looked like the game, you know, might have, you know, headed towards overtime. But then JT Brown scored in the third period and and Tampa Bay ended up uh, winning and holding on to this one two to one. The interesting part about this game, though, is you had two different goals that were disallowed, 
and all kinds of stuff happened in this one, Eddie. We we saw the one disallowed for Tampa Bay in which the puck slid onto the red line. Gibson was back in this game too, by the way. So he came back and actually played uh, this game and the game against Boston. So Gibson got his glove down on it and swiped it out. And they had talked about how it was no goal because the you know the evidence was not conclusive. You could you couldn't see where the puck went, and and basically we've seen that before. Not a big deal. I mean, it made sense. Then it looked like the Ducks had got a goal later in the game, and it went under Valeski's uh, pad, the white part of his pad. And you see the white part of his pad go in the net, but you don't see the puck. So, I mean, it's just frustrating. You go in by the rule. They don't. See, you, you do see the puck emerge under the pad. At that point, it's only partially over the red line, not all the way. But uh, this rule is so frustrating, Eddie, because it's under his pad, and the pad's in the net. You, I mean, it's a goal, but you go by the rule it's not a goal yeah i i mean if you use common sense and and you look at it you'd say well there's probably a 99 percent chance that puck's in the net but you know when you look at the rule there has to be conclusive evidence and 99 percent isn't good enough they have to see that the puck has crossed the line so i get it it's disappointing we all know that there was more a, a better chance that the puck would had probably cross cross the line than it didn't so it sucks did it cost the game? Maybe. I doubt it. I, I, you know, I think in the end, Tampa probably deserved to get the two points from this game. But it, it's disappointing. You know, you like to see those calls go your way, and and uh, they don't always don't they don't always do. Um, and you got to go with the rule, like you said in the end. You, if the rule says it's one way, you got to keep going. You got to try and keep consistent. So that's what we always talk about with any rule, with offsides, with. Uh, with coaches challenge anything with reviews you got to make it consistent so at least they were able to do that but you know all in all I think it was a pretty good game against arguably well they are the best team in the NHL uh, I mean to to limit them to only two goals you know Gibby was great in this game uh, the Ducks had some quality chances Silverberg got his fifth of the season but you know it, it was close it, it's hard to judge some too harshly on this game I think you know the it's a matter of time before you lose to this team. You know, the Ducks beat them 4-1 last time they played, and they were able to keep Stamkos, Kucherov, and Amnestikov off the scoreboard. Of course, they did it in this game. These guys seem to score every game they're in. I mean, they're just taking the NHL by storm, especially these two, Stamkos and Kucherov, this season. So, to you know, it was a matter of time before they got on the score sheet. They did it in this game, and then obviously the late one by JT Brown sealed the deal. But... You know, when you look at the the four games this week, and specifically the two against the the top two opponents, the Kings and Tampa Bay, you know, I think it's it's a testament to the Ducks' effort that they were able to keep it within one goal and steal a point uh, in the Kings game. You know, with the lineup that they have to to ice every night with the injuries they have to to go out and and play these games close, it's pretty big. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at these four games, the Kings, Vancouver, Tampa Bay, and Boston. I mean, the Ducks ended up, you know, getting a total of five points out of these games. So it's not bad at all. Um, you know, going back to the, um, the the goals and all this stuff, we didn't have any fan questions for the show this time about this. But we that night got a lot of comments. What do you think about, you know, the goal? And putting in sensors either in the puck or the the net or whatever, however to do it to try to figure that out because you know if they had a, a sensor in the puck and somehow it, it it it's you know wired in with the uh, the poles and the crossbar or something. What do you think about the league trying to do something like that? I know this has come up before. It's it's not always 
uh, you know, some people think, well, technology and, and, you know, we shouldn't do it. And other people are like, well, we have these tools now. Why don't we do it? You know, what, what do you think about the league trying to do something like that? You know, I think it's something that we'll see in, in the near future. Um, it's something from my personal experience that I've, I've seen utilized to success in soccer. Um, goal line technology in soccer has changed the game for the better. You know, the goals that you wouldn't be able to tell if they went in because they were so close. And, and in soccer, um, it's essentially the same rule. The, the whole ball has to cross the line for it to count. Um, and, and it does a great job of determining if it goes in or not. And it's something that I think uh, it'd be hard to put into hockey in essence because we do have the issue that we saw in this game against Tampa Bay where, you know, the you can't you can't implement the same thing the overhead technology because there's things like pads and gloves that can get in the way so then you would have to look to like you said sensors or something like that and and I think it will happen eventually uh, I think it's in the works they have to figure out the best way to implement it and then we probably see a test like we do for any rule or any new thing that comes in illegal be tested in either the Canadian Hockey League or in the the American Hockey League or somewhere else before it makes its way here and, and see how it works. But, yeah, I, I don't see it being too long from now. I think that's a, a, a step that gets made probably in the next five to ten years. Yeah, exactly. I think it's something that, you know, to keep your eye on on the horizon because I think it's definitely something that, you know, hopefully will come in the near future. Um, with that, the Ducks, they went into the uh, next game against uh, Boston Bruins. And, of course, more injury news, Eddie, because we love injury news. Just like everybody out there, I know you love hearing about the Ducks getting injured again. And this time it was Lindholm that had a lower body injury, and he was not able to go in this game. Uh, the Ducks went with kind of a weird weird lineup. You know, We've seen Tampa Bay do this, but the Ducks went with uh, seven defensemen. Uh, they had Holzer come in. He actually played on the fourth line as a forward. But the Ducks did have seven defensemen in this game. Uh, Megna came in as well to play, and uh, it ended up working. I mean, the Ducks ended up really taking it to Boston in this game. I mean, the Ducks came out, you know, swinging. Um, Kevin uh, Roy got his first goal. Uh, kind of a weird play on a deflected puck that bounced and landed in the slot, and then he just he just hit it while it was bouncing <laughs> and it went in. So it was a great play. Uh, we saw another goal that uh, got a bounce too. You know, there was a delayed penalty against Boston, and Manson threw the puck towards the net. Ended up going in off a uh, defenseman's uh, skate on Boston and into the net. So, Ducks got some bounces. You know, they had a, a terrible second period that they didn't uh, get a shot on goal till after 10 minutes or so into that period. But the Ducks ended up getting a late goal by Richie in there. They were ahead, you know, three to one and ended up winning this one four to two, Eddie. Uh, wasn't their best effort. I mean, they looked good in the first and third period. The second period kind of shaky, but, you know, they got the job done and, you know, they're able to get four goals and take out the Bruins. Yeah, how many times have we seen it this season where we've come out of a game and said, how did they win that game? And then you go <laughs> and you look at the stat line and you see John Gibson has made 35, 40 saves. You say, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Well, I mean, this is another one of those games. He, he makes 40 saves in this one. Uh, and he was the Ducks' best player by far. I, I mean, some games that he's been able to save for them this season has been unbelievable. I mean, he made that ridiculous... Uh, like stack the pads rolling glove save in, in this game yes. as well and it, yeah I mean he's just been unbelievable this season his numbers again we've mentioned this before they don't always show up because of, of some of the games that he's had uh, and, and he for you know he hasn't received some a lot of help in some instances but you know in, in this game for sure yeah, he's the real reason the Ducks ended up winning this game and you look at that second period like you said I, I mean the Ducks had three shots and and you can't really count Josh Manson's goal as a shot 
and they were able to come out with two goals, um, which is huge. I, I mean, efficiency in that second period was was key for them, and they got the late one from Nick Ritchie, which was a bonus. And Derek Grant <laughs> is continuing to uh, to get on the score sheet by tipping in Perry shots. So, just all in all, I think it, it was a good effort. It wasn't their best performance by far, like you said. Uh, Gibby was a, the real savior in this one, but. You know, a surprisingly clean game between two teams who are notorious for, for racking up a lot of penalties. Yeah, I was kind of surprised about that, too. You know, you had the wild game against the Kings, obviously. We saw Manson getting a fight in the Vancouver game. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay, eh, a little bit here and there, not not too much. But, yeah, this one, we've seen the Ducks and the, and the Bruins go at it, and that didn't really happen in this game. It was kind of interesting. It was, it was more of a, a speed-type game, and... Uh, Ducks ended up prevailing, but yeah, the the bad thing is is the, the shots against. It's just crazy. Forty two shots against. I mean, ugh, the Ducks got to stop that. That's just too much. I mean, you're going to lean on Gibson and Miller, and I mean, I, I know they've done well so far this season, but God, you got to help these guys out in the net. I mean, that's just crazy. Um, the Ducks also didn't even get a power play in this game, so you know that was unfortunate too. But you know, they still came out. They got the two points. They did what they needed to do, and I thought it was kind of funny. You know, Eddie is that. Uh, the game preview said the Ducks looked to bounce back against the Bruins, and then the recap was Anaheim bounces Boston, and they did. They got a couple bounces, and that's what happened. So it was just kind of funny that the way that the, the title worked out for the pregame, and then, of course, the recap talked about bounces because, you know, a lot of times, we, as Ducks fans, you know out there, we don't feel like we get bounces going our way, or if we do, they're far and few in between. In this game, we got two of them. Yeah, it worked in the Ducks' manner. You know, they took the momentum, and, and with that, they ran away with it, and they got the two points. Yeah, and, and I mean, essentially, you get three with Perry shot going in off Grant's leg. So it's nice. <laughs> True. It's nice to get them them going in our direction, and and to have a you know a, a game where they didn't deserve to win, but they were able to grind it out and and get the two points. And you know, again, I don't know how many times I can mention it. It really does come down to John Gibson in this game, and and a lot of the reason that they're even above 500 is because of him and in, at times Ryan Miller as well this season. Uh, the Ducks have given up a lot of shots and, and that's been a big issue and, and a lot of that comes down to not having your top two centers for sure and not having <laughs> one of your best defensemen and, and you can't really generate a lot of offense and the Ducks don't get a lot of time in the offensive zone so then the puck comes back the other way. So, you know, it, it's something that we're going to have to judge a little bit down the road when the guys start coming back in the lineup. But, I mean, when you've got a guy like John Gibson in the net, 42 shots, it seems to, to not matter. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Absolutely. Um, just the Ducks leaning on, on the goalies. And, you know, as a fan out there, you have to be happy with this team. Uh, you know, being over 500, doing what they're doing right now, minus all these players. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So, um, you know, the way that they're going, if we can just get healthy in this next month or so and then go from there. Um, you know, in this game too, Eddie, uh, Vermette played his 1,000th game, so uh, NHL game. So, you know, that was a big milestone for him. Happy for him. Um, glad that, you know, we could be there and be part of it uh, as, as Ducks fans as well. So a uh, little uh, stick tap to him. And, of course, a double stick tap very big we all know what happened this week in between all these games was the hockey hall of fame eddie as uh, paul korea and tamu salani were inducted to the hall of fame um they both gave their speeches uh, everything was great they they thanked every single team that they had played for you know not just the uh, the ducks organization which of course they did th- uh, thank them as well but um just two class acts eddie um you know i don't really have much to say about their speeches i listened to both of them uh if you miss them 
We did post them on uh, our YouTube channel. You can check it out. Ducks and Pucks uh, podcast is the uh, the name of the YouTube um, website that we have, and um, it's on there. Of course, the NHL copyrighted it. It's still on there, but now the NHL makes money off of our videos or their videos, of course, um, you know, when we try to post them. But they at least allow us to post them. So you can go there and uh, check them out. But what did you think overall? A pretty pretty good weekend, you know, with them playing in the, uh, the, the um, alumni-type game and whatnot. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, again, it just them going in together is, is, is perfect. I mean, they've... Some of the stuff they did together in the NHL career, it makes them arguably one of the best duos in NHL history. And for them to go into the Hockey Hall of Fame together, I think is great. And and you look at the alumni game as well. You know, they started off the night playing on separate teams, and then a, a trade is made <laughs> in game. And you know, of course, uh, Solani has a drop pass to Korea, and he scores. And it's just a, a great way to to cap off. Uh, that that this whole situation. I mean, to to have another, you know, a last hurrah, Solani to Korea for the last time, and they go into to the hall together, and you know, it, it was just great. It was a great week. You know, you talked about their speeches as well. You know, just two class act guys, and you know, it, it's great to see Paul out and about, and you know, seeing him in, in, involved with hockey again is just great. You know, I I don't know where it goes from here. I know a lot of people have speculated. Maybe you know. Does this mean he's going to be out more? Maybe he's going to be involved more? Does he go back to what he was doing before and, and you know, kind of isolate himself again? We don't really know. It, it would be great to see him out more and, and see him in the same capacity that we see Timo at the Ducks games, but you never know. Um, but, you know, you got to look at the, this week in general and to have these two great players go into the Hall of Fame together, it's, it's just special. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's just nothing more you can really say other than, like you said, it was a great weekend. Um, of course, the game's coming up against Florida. If, if you're fortunate enough to get tickets, they're going to do the little pregame ceremony before that, which is going to be great. I know there's been a lot of questions about Korea, like you talked about. Um, you know, uh, George asked us one question. He, he said that Paul seems happy to be back. You know, do, do you think he gets more involved with the organization? Um, I think he will. I mean, he's going to be there, uh, the game against Florida, obviously. Um, some people did ask other questions about whether or not the Ducks were going to retire his number. I know you and I have talked about this, I don't know, two or three times at least on this show. Uh, I, I can tell you that th- there's no plan for that to happen on Sunday to retire his number. It's just going to be the Hall of Fame celebration. As far as I know, that's what I've heard. I've asked a few different people and I, I know that nothing secretive is going to pop out on Sunday unless something does. But I think if they do do it, they're probably going to do it at a later time. You know, they'd rather um, give him that moment, you know, just like they gave Solani his own moment. I, I think that's what they would plan to do if they do it. I don't, I'm not saying that they are, but, you know, I, I think, Eddie, you and I agree we would love to see that. And that would be, you know, if there was another player to add, that would be one. We've talked about other ones like J.S. Shiger, of course, and, and maybe Niedermeyer. Uh, we know that he was retired. Um, by the uh, New Jersey Devils, obviously, but he could be honored by the Ducks, and there's a few others as well. But that's where we're at right now, and, that, and that's what it kind of looks like. And I, I really hope that they do plan something in the future, though, if they're going to retire his number, Eddie. Yeah, I think that would be the next step. Uh, you know, I, I always believe that retiring a number is, is a sacred thing; it's a special thing. I, you know, I don't like when you see some teams just throw it around like it's nothing. I, I think you know it has to be the right guy; it has to be the right moment. Um, and, and, you know, I think with Paul going into the Hall of Fame, I think it's, it's just, you know, it's right now. It feels right. It, you know, he's, he's got that accolade. You know, he's a Hall of Famer now. 
He's uh, arguably the one of the best players in, in Ducks history. You, you know, you got to look at Solani as well, and then eventually gets Laugh and Perry. But what he's done for for this franchise, you, you can never forget. And I think you know, I think it's a matter of time. I, I think now with him being out, at least for right now, involved more in hockey and and seeming, you know, we looked at it starting back in the playoffs last year with him just making that little appearance in the video. Um, paying mm-hmm. over the, the nine so I, I mean I, I think it will happen I, I think if anybody is the next one to get their their name up in the rafters it, it has to be him I and mean, you know you mentioned how we talked about guys like Niedemeyer and Shiger but you know if anybody else is going to get their their number retired it, it has to be Paul I mean I in my opinion it can't be anybody else especially now it, it, it just has to be him yeah and I think the biggest thing that you know, I don't, I don't know if they talked about it a lot in the, in the other media outlets and stuff like that. But for those of you listening out there, I mean, you know this. How many of you became a Ducks fan because of Paul Korea? I mean, there are a lot of people out there that you know when he came on the scene. Not that they maybe you weren't a Ducks fan before, but you really became a Ducks fan because of him. You know, and I I think that that's in it of itself is huge because that's you know he really helped build this team and and build the fan base and then of course Solani came in and then carried it on naturally but I mean if you got to look at, at you know you talk about Mighty Ducks and you talk about the early days and all that and of course the name Paul Correa is the name that you're going to point out I mean of course there's Gia Bear and Steve Ruchin and a few of these other players as well but He's the guy I think that a lot of people became Ducks fans, and I think that and alone uh, is a reason to bring him up there. Of course, get to the Stanley Cup and almost winning it, unfortunately, you know. But um, he did a lot, I think, for the city in general and the fans, and and to me, that's the reason why he should be back up there, along with all the other stuff on the ice too, Eddie. Yeah, and you know, that's he's one of the main reasons I I became a Ducks fan. I mean, just you know, being. You know, he just brought a new style of play to the NHL at that time when it was more of a rough and tumble kind of league where you, know, you didn't really have these guys, these smaller guys who just whip around the ice, and, and he brought that here. And, and you know, he he got a lot of people, myself included, interested in a team in, in that in, in California that normally, you know, it, without a, a player like him, you wouldn't attract much interest. And, and you know, it, I... I can't thank him enough now for for being there and for for now me being a Ducks fan and and you know he's always going to be my favorite player of all time. So I mean it's just great. Uh, I'm you know I was over the moon to see him get nominated and and to, to now see him out in the public again. I mean it when you look back at it now it, it feels like it's been forever since you've seen him anywhere around hockey and, and to to have this week and everything it, it's just been great. Yeah, another thing to think about too is if you haven't seen it, um, there's a couple different videos and articles out there about you know what he went through when he got knocked out and the whole thing with Stevens and everything and the concussions and all the stuff that you know he could have played longer and different things that affected him. So if you haven't seen those, Google it. I, I don't remember exactly which outlets have it. I know multiple have, have posted things, but check it out. Check out those articles. Check out the the interviews and whatnot. Um, there's a lot more to him. You know, he, he, it's, it's funny because he and Tamer <laughs> personality wise, you know, you saw them joking around when they're, they're trying on the, you know, their jackets and, and measuring each other and stuff like that. But 
Uh, Solani is obviously the more outgoing of the two, and Korea isn't as much, which isn't a bad thing. I'm just talking about the personalities. But what's great in these other videos is he's he starts to you know open up a little bit more, Eddie, and I think that's great because everybody starts to understand exactly what's you know he's gone through, and now everybody kind of has an idea of where he's coming from and what's going on. Because for a little while there, everybody was kind of like, oh, he's just kind of MIA, which is true. He was a little bit, but. There were a lot of things that he had to go through and deal with, and I think that this whole weekend uh, was great because we got to you know, explore that. A lot of outlets went and had different things posted about it, and overall, you learned a lot more about Korea probably than you didn't know from before. And um, like I said, I just hope that his number is the next to be retired, Eddie. Yeah, and he really, in some ways, became the star of this week, uh, of this whole induction to the Hockey Hall of Fame, you know, everything, every article you saw come out about it was about him, and about his story, and, and, and you know, his journey to this point, um, and, and, you know, being kind of biased, it was great to see all these stories about Paul Correa, and, and, you know, to hear from him in the interviews, but, you know, TSN had a great piece uh, on the hit, Sportsnet had a, a similar piece where they, where they talked to him, and they talked to, to Scott Stevens as well, and, and uh, to see if they've ever had any contact, and, and of course they haven't, and it's a touchy subject for both of them, as you can see. But, you know, it, it's it's great to get some insight in, into what he was going through after his career ended and, you know, some of the, the feelings that, that, he was feel, that he felt towards the league and towards hockey in general uh, and the animosity he had after what he felt was his career ended too early. So... You know, it, it it's great for to see him share that. It, it's it's sad because you know, imagine the player he could have become without all these concussions. You know, he's already in the hockey fall, hall of fame. He's a great player, but just imagine some of the seasons he could have had without the injuries. So, you know, it, it's great to look back and, and hear his story. Yeah, and like you said, it would have been interesting to see. You know, if, if he would have you know played longer. Uh, stayed with the Ducks and, and Tamu and how that would have all panned out, you know, it, it could have been. But um, still a great influence in the sport of hockey in Anaheim and, of course, around the world. And you can check it out. Obviously, on Sunday, they're going to play the Florida Panthers. I don't know if they're going to win this game because Florida seems to have the Ducks number. It's going to be a tough game, Eddie. But if you've got a ticket, um, you know, hopefully you can go and see it beforehand. Uh, it looks like it's going to be about 15, 20 minutes before puck drop that they're going to do some stuff, and I'm and I'm sure that the Ducks are going to do things throughout the game as well. Um, we'll try and have that recorded too. If there's anything that's televised beforehand, I'll throw that on the YouTube channel. Um, thank, thankfully, the NHL lets us do that, Eddie. But um, you know, we'll try and do that for you guys as well. Uh, we'll try and go through all the fan questions. You know, there's some stuff been going on lately with all these injuries and you know people have rumors coming up and all these questions eddie uh of course the big one is and joshua asks about trading sammy botnan i've had a few other people hit me up about that as well you know of course jbr's name got thrown around again gallonchuk i mean all all these um names are being thrown out what what do you think eddie i mean do you think the ducks are gonna try to do something um you know with botnan or do you think that they should just try and hold where they're at or what you know i i I believe that they still wait and they get all these guys back, um, other than Eves, of course, um, and see where they are. I, I think you know they haven't been without Kessler since the start of the season. Getzlaff's only played about six games, and you know you've been without Andre Kasha now as well. You know once you get these guys back in the lineup, I, I think it's better to just kind of see 
where things can go from there. And you don't have to be drastic right now. You know, we, we talked about the Ducks surprisingly being above 500 and still being able to fight for a playoff spot. I don't think it's a time to make a drastic move like that and, and ship out a, a top four defenseman. That's something I more see if the Ducks are in the mix come trade deadline and they they feel like if they that move can make them better, if they actually have a shot at getting a quality top six forward, then maybe a deal gets done, but it's a tough one to do, even you know, any time during the regular season. And he, and he has another question because it kind of goes to that too. So if we don't make a move, he talks about all the defensemen and what are the Ducks going to do? Because you have Magna, Montour, Fowler, Botnan, Lindholm, Manson, Boschman, Bieksa, and Holzer, <laughs> which is true. You have all these guys. Obviously, I mean, we're pretty sure Magna goes back down. Uh, what do you think that they do with these guys? Because, you know, we did see Holzer play forward in the game against Boston. Um, and that's kind of what he's asking is, you know, wh- how, how would that work? That's why he, I think he's leaning towards us saying, you know, shouldn't we trade Botnan? Because we're going to have all these guys, especially when Fowler comes back. Yeah, it, it's tough. You know, obviously the locks are Lindholm, Botnan, Fowler, um, and Manson. Uh, from there, it, it gets questionable. You would you would think that Brandon Montour would be a lock because of his play this season, but you know he is the only guy that's on this that list is that's waiver exempt. So there's a possibility that he does get sent down because they don't have to do anything. Um, you know, there's also you look at Francois Beauchemin as well as is a guy that we thought would be a seventh defenseman to start the season. Maybe he gets healthy, scratched a couple games, and it gets put in in games where either back to backs or, or games where they think that his presence can can help. Um, you know, Holzer is a guy that I think probably gets sent down through waivers. I don't see anybody really picking him up. Um, but from there, yeah, you've got seven guys that you've kind of got to work out how you're going to roll with and. And I think the only real two options are to either scratch Boschman and play him as a seventh defenseman or to send Brandon Montour down because it's the easy thing to do. And we've seen the Ducks do that in the past with Shea Theodore. They've sent him down because it's the easy thing to do. And, and Vegas did that this year as well. They sent him down because Shea Theodore was waiver exempt and it was the easiest thing to do. So, I, you know, I really hope they don't because of how Montour has played yeah. this season. But when all those guys come back, realistically, Montour is playing a bottom you know, bottom pairing role. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, and if they send Montour down, I know everybody out there, you're all going to throw <laughs> up your pitchforks and be pissed. <laughs> that's what we always talk I'm about. I'm you guys about. now because that's a, that's a real possibility <laughs> if, if all four of these, uh, you know, Manson, Votnin, Lindholm, and Manson are all healthy. You know, that's a realistic possibility. Yeah, I, I think the pitchforks and, and the and the burning down uh, of Anaheim is going to be chanted again if that happens. Because we saw that with Theodore, people were really upset, and rightfully so. I, I mean, I get it, but then I get it on the other standpoint, like you said, Eddie, too. I mean, you have a player that's waiver exempt. I mean, that's you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but that was how it would work. I think they would send Magna down. I would like them to go with Fowler, Botten, and Lindholm, Manson, and Montour, and then rotate between Bieksa and Boschman and I guess Holzer too unless you know as Darren Price pointed out you know uh Holzer you know played on the fourth line and what do we think about that well I thought he looked okay <laughs> I mean he only played about nine minutes in that game against Boston but uh we've talked about Holzer as being a good role player I, I think he's better suited on the blue line but he's more that seventh guy I mean uh, you know he filled in because uh, Rasmussen was a healthy scratch that game. And, you know, he didn't do anything really wrong. He didn't really do anything right. I mean, he was there. 
but um, you know, I think he still fits the defensive role. And I think it's sometimes some people rather have him than Bieksa because he doesn't make as many mistakes out there. But you know, Bieksa's at times had some good games too. So that's kind of where I am. That's that's what I would think is that they would rotate that last spot between uh, Bosch, Bieksa, and Holzer. That, but we'll have to see. Like you said, Eddie, there's the possibility that Montour could go down through waivers. You know, if, if a trade isn't made for Botnin, as Joshua's been talking about. So that's some stuff to look at. Uh, you know, we had a few other people asking those questions about trades. There's really nothing out there concrete. There's tons of rumors. Don't listen to all the rumors. Uh, you know, they all get thrown around. We remember when, uh, I think it was last season, that they were saying that Lindholm was going to be traded, and that was a rumor that someone spread that <laughs> we proved that was false. So not saying that Botnin won't be traded or that a trade won't be made. It's just right now we haven't really seen anything legit. It seems like there is interest from other teams. We've heard that. But, I, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen, Eddie. I, I think the Ducks, the way they're playing, I think they're just going to hang on right now. I mean, you, you, you have to like how they're doing. I mean, they're over 500. Yeah, they're not killing it. But with what they've got right now, I mean, I'm not really that upset with the way the Ducks are doing. Yeah, you know, I, I think it it's surprising that they are over 500 with the injuries they've had. I think if you had told me at the beginning of the season, they would be out uh, without Ryan Kessler and Ryan Getzlaff, without Cam Fowler, um, that they would actually be above 500. And at times they were without, you know, Votnin and Lindholm uh, and Kasha. So, you know, there's been so many guys out of the lineup. I would have been surprised to see them at 8-7-3 and three at this point in the season. So I think it's good. Um, you know, as for blockbuster trades, I really just I don't see anything happening at this point. Uh, but Eddie Richard made a good point. He asked, do you think the Ducks should make some sort of move to help fill voids? Talking about more of a, a depth trade more than anything. And I think if any trade does happen, that's most likely the, the realistic option. The Ducks might go out and get a, you know, a top nine or a bottom six forward to if anything else occurs or, or if they're you know looking for some help. But right now, I think they don't really need to. You look at the guys who've come up, Cali Casilla, Kevin Waugh. You know, those guys have come up and, and done very well and, and contributed enough that the Ducks don't really have to go out and make a move. And, and of course, I guess you can slot Holzer in on the fourth line whenever you need to <laughs> and, and add some depth there. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, with Grant and Wagner um, and when Cash is in the lineup, even Logan Shaw to some extent, the way these guys have played, you know, the Ducks haven't had to make a move. Yeah, and I, and I think you're right. If they do make a move, I think well, a depth move is more of something that they would go. We've seen Murray do this time and time again where he's done these moves and, you know, the trade deadline or some of the time where we're like, what the heck is this? And, and you know, you at first you, you kind of look at it like, why do we do that? And then you kind of realize, oh, okay, you know, if you research a little bit better and you're like, okay, this guy did Patrick this and that's why. They're... <laughs> well, yeah, that was a good one, you know. I mean, and he's made the big ones too, obviously, Kessler back in the day, of course. But um, I, I, I think you're right. I, I don't know if they'll do much. I mean, they can throw Holzer in there. You know, like I said, he didn't really do anything uh, spectacular, but he didn't do anything wrong. He could definitely fill in on the fourth line if they need that too. So they have that option, which I'm not opposed to it. That's something that can work as well in their favor. So that's all that's really going on for the Ducks right now is, is you know, obviously a lot of rumors flying around out there that they're going to trade a defenseman again, which, you know, we've heard this for, God, I don't know, about a year or so. Um, but right now, nothing solid. Uh, if something comes up, 
and we'll, you know we'll we'll see what happens. But I, like you said, I think it's going to be more of a depth move. And uh, with that, the Ducks, you know, have their depleted lineup still. Um, today they had practice. Uh, Lindholm was back on the ice, which is good. And he was interviewed. If you saw the little interview, it was kind of funny. Uh, he told uh, Randy Carlisle that he was 109% ready, Eddie, because Carlisle always asks if you're 110. So he said he's 109. So that pretty much means that he's ready. So he should be good to go Sunday against Florida. Obviously, like we talked about, huge, huge game because they're going to honor Tamu and Paul before that game. This is going to be a tough game, Eddie. Uh, and this week's actually going to be a tough week. Uh, you know, we're, we're pretty optimistic in, in the points. We're always like, oh, they're going to win this many games and get this many points. Uh, you look at the schedule this week, it's pretty brutal. You know, the Ducks have this extra weekend off here. Um, and then they, they play Florida on Sunday. San Jose on Monday, they go up there real quick. They come back, they play Vegas for the first time at home on Wednesday. Then, of course, you've got the after Thanksgiving game. Thank God it's not against Chicago. It's going to be against the Jets this, this year. Uh, that's that 1 o'clock start. And then they play the Kings on the road Saturday night. So you've got two back-to-backs. You've also got the games against you know all the teams that we're trying to chase, Eddie. You've got the Kings, Vegas, San Jose, 1, 2, and 3 in the division. You're trying to take them out. You have Florida, who you know they haven't had a great season, but they always play us tough. And you've got the Jets, who've really turned it on lately they've been playing very very well so you know in these five games eddie i mean if the ducks could win three out of the five i would be happy mainly against the kings vegas and san jose of course but it's gonna be a tough week yeah for, for sure I, I mean it's the toughest division schedule so far this season um you look at who they're facing they're facing the top three teams in the pacific division um, and this is a real chance to start gaining ground on those guys. And if you lose all three, you know that's going to put them in a big hole. Uh, they're only one point behind San Jose right now. They're four points behind Vegas and five points behind the Kings. Obviously, there's some games in hand swinging back and forth uh, between teams here. But you know it's it's a big week. Um, you look at the the starting with Florida. It, Florida's actually going to be on the second game of a back to back when they play Anaheim. So it's a little bit of an advantage starting there. Florida plays Saturday, and then uh, I believe they play, I think it's the Kings on Saturday, and then they come in and they play the Ducks on Sunday. So that's a little bit of an advantage there. Hopefully the Ducks can catch them a little bit tired and get things started. And then San Jose right after that uh, on the Monday, and that's going to be a tough game. San Jose has started to turn things around a little bit. You know, they're 7-3-0 in their last 10, so they had a slow start and things are starting to turn around for them. But, you know, it, it, it's always a tough game, especially when you go into the SAP Center. It, it, the Shark Tank is a very difficult place to play, especially for Anaheim, so it's going to be a tough game. And, you know, after, again, the second game of a back-to-back, uh, we don't know if we're going to see Miller or Barra. Most likely, probably Barra for now on, unless Gibby decides to, unless they decide to play Gibby for that game against San Jose. But it'll be interesting to see what they do there. And it doesn't get any easier. You go and you play Vegas, who, as we mentioned at the beginning of the season, has finally started to cool down a little bit. Luckily, we're not playing them at home where they're un- unbelievable. They're, we're playing them at Honda Center. So I think that's a, a game that the Ducks can go out and win. And then the last uh, stretch is the the hardest one of the week, in my opinion. You've got the, the Winnipeg Jets, who are just on a roll right now. They've won their last three games, the second-best team in the last ten games, only behind the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then you got to go right from there and, and play the LA Kings the next night. 
Um, so it, it's going to be tough. You know, I, they got to try and pick up the points at the home games, and, and luckily the road games uh, on the back-to-backs aren't too much of a travel, so it's not going to be as impactful as, as normal back-to-backs would be. Uh, but, you know, it, it's going to be important that they pick up these points against specific division rivals. Yeah, and I think the biggest question, too, like you said this week, is going to be the goalie situation. I mean, what are they going to do? I mean, uh, we don't know if Miller's going to, you know, be back in time this week yet or not. Um, he wasn't at practice today. Uh, obviously, Getzoff, Fowler, and Kessler weren't out there as well, and Kase too. So you got you got a bunch of these guys out. Of course, Eves, too. We, we still don't know. But, you know, a lot of these guys are out. They're trying to figure out the goalie situation. I don't know if they put in... Barra against Florida, and then put in Gibson against San Jose or vice versa. And then same thing, like you said, Winnipeg and then the Kings. That's the part that's going to be interesting to me is if Miller comes back, you know, then they can flop him in there. But it, it's just tough with this team. Unfortunately, we've just had such such bad luck with different things going on. It, you know, every single day it just seems like it's coming up. And I know some of you asked the fan questions more of, I guess, just comments that you guys are just tired of it. And trust me, we're tired of it too. You know, we don't want to be covering and talking about injuries all the time. So, I, I you know, I think the Ducks can still get some of these games, Eddie. It's not going to be easy. But like we said, it's a big week against Pacific Division teams. you got the three that you're trying to catch. And you know that these games are going to be physical, especially against San Jose and the Kings. Um, Florida's just been rough. For some reason, that they've had the Ducks number the last couple seasons. You know, the Ducks have had a hard time. Hopefully they can win that game, obviously, because it's the <laughs> Hall of Fame night. Um, but we'll also have a watch party too, like I mentioned earlier, against uh, when they play the Kings at El Ranchito in Orange on that Saturday night. So that should be a good one. I'm pretty sure we're going to have a packed house. And we're also doing a t-shirt sale too because of Korean Solani. If you check out uh, tpnhockey.com, um, most of the shirts, not all, but a big chunk on there are either eight or nine dollars. So you, you do the math. There's a reason why they're eight or nine dollars. You know, honoring Korea and, and uh, Solani. So we've got that going on, and um, we'll hope to be back probably about a week or so, depending on how the schedule pans out, and you know, just how Eddie and I try and work it out amongst ourselves when we can get together. And you know, thanks for listening. Let's go Ducks.